everybody, and welcome again to Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Mike Freeman. I'm the pastor at Valley Christian Fellowship in Longview, Washington, and uh, really excited to have you today with me as we continue to look at Jesus's high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. And again, we're going to see this unity between the Father and the Son, and today we're going to see something I think so helpful for us, which is a Honestly, it's a reminder of our vulnerability spiritually and a reminder of God's steadfast care over us, his keeping of us and watching over our souls. In fact, this is what Jesus prays. Let's look at his prayer. John chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. Jesus says, all mine are yours. He's speaking to the Father and yours are mine. He's speaking about people. He's speaking about us. He says, and I am no longer in the world. Kind of a strange thing. We'll, we'll circle back to that in a second. But they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Oh, this is wonderful. This is incredible. Jesus is saying that the shared possession of the believer between the Father and the Son is it's just in, it's it's implicit here he says those that are believe in me that they're yours and those that are yours are those that believe in me there's not a separation at all there's not some who follow god the father and some who follow god the son no it's just a complete package it's completely unified in fact jesus even says and i am glorified in them his glory shines through his believers we are those who have been redeemed. We have been adopted. We have those who have been justified and made new. And so now, because of our brand new identity in his identity, he's glorified in us. And then Jesus says up the street, he says, and I am no longer in the world. No, yeah, he's there, but his trajectory is he's headed out. We've been seeing it for chapters. He's been preparing his disciples for this moment when he is no longer with them. And so this is as good as done in his mind. He's saying, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. They're going to be the ones that continue in the ministry. And I am coming to you. I'm coming to you, Father. They're going to be here. Holy Father, look at this prayer. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Is, Father, those that you've given me, will you keep them in your name? Will you keep them in your name? And what does it look like? It looks like those who are in Christ remain united. They remain united and loyal to each other, loving each other, caring for each other. And this loyalty, this unity, this, this care, this love, it is a reflection of the loyalty, unity, care, affection, and love shared between the Father and the Son. This is what the church is called to. We are called to this kind of unity where we love each other, where we're, we are in it for each other. We are loyal to each other. We are aiming at the same mission and the same vision. And all of it, if you remember, is built upon receiving, accepting the words of Jesus and his identity. See, this is what we're unified and united around. We're not unified around some sports team that we, we find it, we have a preference for rather than another sports team. We're not unified around a hobby that is enjoyable to us, and so because I like it, then everybody should do it, right? No, we are united around the person and work and words of Jesus Christ. 
And so Jesus prays, he says, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. We should be so united in our belief and affection for the truth of Christ and his word that we look as unified as the Father and the Son, who we've seen are completely unified. This is the call of believers. So then why do we have so much disunity in the church? Well, some disunity is, is for good theological reason. I think about uh, the distinctives of a Baptist church versus a Presbyterian church. There are some, some solid convictional beliefs that each of them hold differently, which means that, that regular fellowship and, and worship together would be difficult it would be difficult for a Baptist person to be in a Presbyterian church seeing them baptize babies. It would be difficult for someone who's Presbyterian to be in a Baptist church and they have a baby and they're like, y'all want to baptize it? And they're like, nope, we're going to wait until they actually trust in Christ, right? This is a distinction that causes some differences. But here's the deal. I share a lot in common with those who I would disagree with about baptism. I have... Uh, People in my life who believe in infant baptism, but here's the deal. They believe in Christ. They believe in the, the authoritative rule of the scripture. They believe that salvation comes by grace through faith. We have some nuance and some practice, but the, the deal is we really believe in the same gospel. There's some room for that, I think. I have a lot of unity. I have a lot of oneness with those who I would disagree with around that, that specific issue. Where things get messy is when there are just abundantly clear deviations from the scripture. We think about many denominations that have, they've embraced a sexuality that is far from what the scripture teaches. They've embraced a view of humanity that is far from what the scripture teaches. Now, some, they have a works-based ideology where it's actually Jesus plus being good enough or maybe it's just you being good enough and you earning something as you continue to grow. Listen, we must recognize that that's not the unity we're called to. In fact, where we ultimately want to land with this ancient ways for modern day is that unity and then ultimately remembering that, man, so much of this is a reflection of our spiritual vulnerability. I love what Jesus says. He says, Holy Father, keep them in your name. Would you keep them? I love that prayer because the reality is left to ourselves. We can't keep ourselves. No, we, we sing a hymn in our church sometimes and it has a line that says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. Here's my heart, Lord. Holy Father, will you keep me in your name? Keep me in your name. Now, what does this mean as our ancient way for our modern day? Let me, let me break it down to two distinct ideas that I think we can walk away applying in our lives. The first is the kind of unity we are called to have is a unity that is built on and based upon the word of God, trusting in who Christ is, and it should be a reflection within the church body. We should all agree about Christ and trust in Christ. But then the second idea is simply recognizing our spiritual vulnerability. 
Being grateful that Jesus prayed, Holy Father, keep them in your name. Being grateful that Jesus and the Spirit both intercede for us even right now before the Father. That should give us confidence knowing that even though we are weak, and vulnerable. Even though we might stumble and fail, we always fall back upon the grace of Christ and trust that the Holy Father will ultimately keep us in his name. And this is our ancient way for our modern day.